Right, so yeah, we're in the last, you can turn, turn to Colossians. We're in the last section of chapter two of Colossians. And you can t- get your place there. Um, man, you know, whatever your politics are, it doesn't matter. Aren't you thankful to live in a free country uh, where, where we can have a say in, in what happens? Uh, I am as well. And we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about freedom tonight. Uh, it will be applicable in a few ways. Um, so we will cover that ground um, when we get there. But um, so the last, we'll start in verse 16 and go to the end of the chapter. Uh, we've got eight verses, but don't worry, it's only four sentences, right? Um, so I'll read those uh, and then we'll jump in. Colossians 2, verse 16 says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the flesh. Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we, we come before you tonight, and Lord, we're just so thankful for uh, the freedom that we have in you because of what you've done for us on the cross um, and the story that, that you're telling um, through us and um, through your body, which is the church. Um, Lord, we're, we're thankful to be able to be here tonight and gather together, um, even in the midst of crazy times. Lord, I, I pray that your hand would be on us and protect us. Um, as we're here tonight, um, I pray that, that we would be humble before you and open to your word um, and, and that your spirit would be able to speak through us tonight. Um, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you do for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So, uh, your study sheet's blank, but we're gonna talk. We're gonna break this down into three main points, and I'll just give them to you. You can write them or not. Um, you'll probably write things in between, but um, three main cho- things we're gonna see out of this: not subject to commandments not subject to creatures, and subject to Christ. So uh, we'll start with the first one, not subject to commandments. Back in verse 16, uh, let's take a look at that again. It says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. So there's this list of stuff that we're not supposed to be judged in. Well, what, what is all of that about? Well, verse 17 says, which are a shadow of things to come. So that list of stuff, they're labeled as a shadow of things to come. So we kind of have been touching on these things actually recently in the last few weeks as we've come down through here in Colossians. Um, But Hebrews 8, 4 through 5 gives us some more uh, clues as to what this list is about. Um, Hebrews 8, uh, verse 4 says, there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the examples and shadow of heavenly things, there it is, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. So there's priests doing 
their Levitical sacrifices according to the law, and they're called a shadow of heavenly things. Further in Hebrews uh, chapter 9, verse 24, it says, For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. So Christ, Christ is in heaven, and he's not in the holy places made with hands, referring to like earthly tabernacles down here. And those are called the figures of the true. That the, the Old Testament tabernacle is a figure. It's a picture. It's a shadow of the true, where Christ is in heaven. Hebrews 10.1 says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. Okay, so there it is labeled, the law. And it, it has a shadow of good things to come, but not the very image of those things. So, that gives us an idea of this list. God, you know, God put that cross-reference in verse 17 on purpose. Um, I think it's pretty, pretty clear. We're talking about the law. Meat, drink, Sabbath days, holy days, all that stuff's from the law. There's plenty of, there's plenty of laws in the Old Testament about what you can and can't eat, all that kind of stuff, right? But, back in verse, verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink. So, Anytime you see the word therefore, you've got to stop and say, what's therefore? Therefore, right? So, there, so there's a reason you shouldn't be judged in these things. And again, we didn't really review because we're going we're gonna to review right now because that therefore points to what we saw last week. So if you look in verses 13 and 14, it says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So, and we looked at Ephesians 2.15, and we saw that a connection between those ordinances being the law. And so Christ, what he did on the cross, he blotted those out. He took them out of the, the law. He, he nailed it to the cross. He hung it up. It's done. It's finished. And because that's true, therefore, let no man judge you in the law. In, in the Levitical law. But Paul's kind of asking them a question in the last couple of verses here of this chapter. If you glance down at verses 20 uh, through 22, and we will we'll skip the verse 21 in parentheses for now. It says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances after the commandments and doctrines of men? So, so Paul's saying, hey, like you're free from the law, what are you doing? Why are you subjecting yourselves to these things? Christ already, he did away with those things. So apparently the Colossians have been allowing that to, to creep in, which was a common problem in the early church. Uh, most of these epistles are, are littered with, uh, with the idea of the law is gone. However, we see a little bit more than that too. He also says the rudiments of the world and the commandments and doctrines of men. So it's more than like simply just Levitical law. They're also subjecting themselves to those things as well, to those commandments, um, if you will. And, okay, so it's, it's no surprise, I would say, that there's more than just the Levitical law that has crept in, but the commandments and doctrines of men have crept in as well. Because listen, the law is weak through the flesh, Romans 8, 3 says. Ever since the law was given, man has been twisting it and tainting it and perverting it because we can't uphold it. And so 
you try to, to make it fit yourself and you, you change it to suit your own needs. You use it unlawfully, like Paul says in 1 Timothy. And look, when, when Jesus entered the picture in Matthew 15, uh, he's talking to the Pharisees and they have perverted the law in, in a way and he totally rebukes them for it. Um, we won't look at necessarily what they're doing, but we'll see his rebuke. Starting in verse three, it says, but he answered Jesus and said unto them, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? And then the end of it is, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, here it is, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. They have usurped the law with their own doctrines, and they've perverted it. And so we see here in our passage that, you know, there's no exception here. Take a look at verse 18. It says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind. Worshiping of angels? What? <laughs> where, where did that come from? That's pretty weird. What does that mean? Uh, angels aren't supposed to be worshiped. God's supposed to be worshiped, Right? Look, forget about the Levitical law. What about the Ten Commandments? The first commandment, Exodus 23, thou shalt have no other gods before me. We shouldn't be worshiping or bowing down to anybody but Christ, certainly not angels. Also, the angels aren't supposed to be accepting worship either. That's pretty weird. Uh, There's a couple examples in Revelation. I I don't know if I have those slides or not. Do I have the Revelation verses? I do. Okay, we'll we'll check them out. All right, Revelation 19.10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. The, the angel's telling him, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And there's, I think there's one more as well. Is there a Revelation 22? That's the only one you got. All right, well, there's others. But anyway, you get the idea. Uh, look, angels aren't supposed to be accepting worship, so any angel that is accepting worship, that's weird. That's, there's, something, there's something weird. It gets demonic really quickly. And, you know, in Romans one twenty-five, we won't go there, but it talks about worshiping the creature above the creator. That's demonic stuff. In 1 Timothy 4, 1 through, 3, 1 through 3, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, there it is, and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. And so we see seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, and I think that's what's going on here. Also, in that context too, abstaining from meats, it's kind of all linked together. And, okay, this stuff's pretty far-fetched. Um, but, you know, I started thinking, and it's like, man, religions today, there's, there's one religion at least that I can think of that maybe has some of this stuff mingled in. A little bit of, like, praying to dead people or to saints, maybe. Um, lots of ordinances, Lots of commandments and, and doctrines of men. And you know what? Come to think of it, there's some stuff about eating and drinking too in there. And so maybe it's not as far-fetched as we think. But to be fair, look, any, any religion that's not biblical is going to have that stuff in it. 
and it's all over the place. And unfortunately, most people in those systems are going to be beguiled out of their rewards if they're not beguiled out of their salvation in the first place. So, before we go condemning them, take heed because the messenger in Ezekiel 3, if he doesn't tell them the truth, he's worth, a, worth condemnation as well. You've got to tell them the truth because God's not a respecter of persons. So, listen, it's our responsibility to spread the gospel. People are subject to commandments and doctrines of men, and Christ has set them free from that, and we need to spread that news. But, okay, I digress. Look, Whatever, whatever they got going on here, in verse 21, Paul says, look, don't touch it, don't taste it, don't handle it. It all perishes with the using anyway. Don't have anything to do with it. It's got no lasting effects. I mean, obviously he's talking about pork, right? Out of the law, I mean, they couldn't have pork. Probably not. <laughs> Think it's a little bit more than that. Okay, so what about us? Listen, of course, we're free from the Levitical law. Absolutely. Christ has set us free from that. Amen. But it's kind of been that way our whole lives. So I, I, it, it's hard to necessarily make application in my daily life for that. But listen, there's no law for us for salvation. Believe. That's it. We're in the age of grace. So do we subject ourselves to, to, to our own laws and to rules? This is about a relationship with Christ. But how often do we, make, do we, do we build our system of rules and make it about that and about our checklists? No, listen, we have freedom in Christ. It's not about making a bunch of rules. So, I don't know, our, our worship in the churches. Look, there's no law against like what, what does worship have to be? Does it have to be loud? Can you have drums? Can you, you know our stance on that. Do, can you have drums? Can, does it have to be hymns? Can it, can it be contemporary? What, you know, there's no laws. Look, there's no law, there's no rule. What about food? The Old Testament Levitical law talks about food. Is it okay to eat meat? Can you be a carnivore? Can you only eat meat? What about being a vegetarian or a vegan? Look, there's no law. Your salvation's not based on those things. You have freedom in Christ. He set you free from that stuff. Maybe I should, how about, let's meddle a little bit. What about Halloween? We just had Halloween. Trick-or-treating. Can you go trick-or-treating? Is that a sin? I mean, honestly, if we're honest, most of our holidays are pagan and have pagan stuff behind them. They've taken the truth and twisted it a little bit. But, I mean, if I go to a Halloween party for work and I dress up as Obi-Wan, is that a sin? Am I celebrating? Look, it's our culture. Listen, no. It's not about rules. There's no law. If it's not a sin, look, there's no law. You have freedom in Christ. Frequently, in, even in our spiritual life, we try to add rules to our flesh to control it. We add our own loss. Okay, uh, it's, that's not what it's about. I was listening to Alan Shelby earlier this year, and he said something that, that stuck out to me. And he said, we have to be crucified in Christ instead of adding rules to the flesh. And how often do I find myself doing that? I can't suppress the flesh. I can't suppress the flesh. Look, it's not about laws and rules. It's about being crucified with Christ. So, listen, you guys are free. We are free so go and sin not. Be free. That's awesome. All right, so don't subject yourself to laws and rules and commandments in that context. All right, so the second point, not subject to creatures. I had to find a C word. The, the word creatures, actually the Bible does use it to refer to men in a lot of places. 
Um, so there's your creativity. Um, all right, so back to verse 16. But how, does it, but how does it start? It says, let no man therefore judge you in those things. I think, unfortunately for Peter, good old Peter, we have an awesome example of how, how we could apply this. Look at Galatians 2, 11 through 13. It should be on the screen. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, Paul saying, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which are, were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Look, Peter knew the truth, right? He knew that he could eat with the Gentiles. That's fine. He's not subject to the law. Yet, whenever the other people came in, because he feared them, because he subjected himself to their judgment, he withdrew from them, and he withdrew from the, tr- from the truth. And he took other people away with him in so doing. And so his subjecting himself to men drove him from the truth. And Paul, Paul has been warning the Colossians about this all along, actually. First of all, in our passage, in verse 18, he says, let no man beguile you. But if you go up a couple verses, the beginning of chapter 2 in verse 4, uh, and it says, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Or 2.8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So he's been warning them of this. So look, when we subject ourselves to men instead of God, and men become the authority instead of God's word, it's going to turn us from the truth. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their, fa- their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Sounds a lot like these days. You know, I, I was in college once. Boy, is it, is it true there. <laughs> but heaping, so yeah, of course the teachers are, are false teachers, but you're heaping to yourself a teacher. It's about the man. Even in modern day Christianity, I mean, how often is it about, oh, my pastor is so great. My pastor has these many degrees. My pastor dresses well. My pastor this, that. We follow men. Listen, don't subject yourself to men. You should be subjected to Christ. Paul had a similar warning for the Galatians. In Galatians 1, 6 through 8, he said, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do, do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And that's the issue. Which, listen, we, we need to be pleasing Christ and not men. Subject yourself to to Christ and not men, which is the last point, subject to Christ. And so we'll see this in stark contrast. Actually, up through this point in Colossians, we've seen a lot of these guys, but now we kind of get to see the the false teachers and these guys that are teaching stuff and perverting and twisting the law. We get to see a little bit of of personality traits about them. Um, 
But I guess actually even before that, in verse 17, that shadow of heavenly things referring to the law, look, there's a contrast there with the word but. It says, but the body is of Christ. Christ is in contrast to the laws and everything for us today because they're done away with. But as far as the people go, verses 18 and 19, says, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. So these guys, what's their, their first and foremost problem? Is they're not holding the head. Capital H, the head, the head. Who is that? Well, if you go back and look in chapter one, verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. It's Christ in, in the context. These guys aren't subject to Christ. So, they've strayed. And instead, in verse 23, they serve themselves. Look at verse 23 at the end. It says, Which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. They're satisfying their flesh, and there's no honor in it. Look, everything they're doing is about show. You know, it looks like they're worshiping, but they're doing it in their own power, of their own will, willpower, willpower worship. I mean, that's kind of a weird phrase, but that's what it's getting at. And, and you know, they, they have a show of humility and neglecting of the body. But we even get to see their humility in verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility. Look, their, their humility... It's optional. It's voluntary. It comes and it goes. It's temporary. That's no good. After you're saved, are you a volunteer for Christ? Ephesians 4.1 says, look, that's our vocation. We have a job. The work of Christ is our vocation. and It's not temporary. That's why we're here. That's why we're alive. And that, that's being subject to Christ. Also in verse 18, notice, um, what is he doing? He's intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So he's puffed up. He's all about knowledge in so much that he's actually wrong. God says he's intruding into things he doesn't even know about. He hasn't even seen them. First, uh, First Corinthians 8, 1 through 2 says, Now, as touching things offered unto idols, there's kind of some similar context, it says, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, there it is, but charity edifieth. And if any man think he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. Sounds pretty similar to what, to what Paul's saying about these guys. And so he's intruding into like the spiritual realm and it's weird, it's demonic, it's wrong. And look, we have already seen it was Christ that created all of the thrones and the dominions and the principalities and the powers and the spiritual, the spiritual powers back in chapter 16 of, or verse 16 of chapter 1 of Colossians. And if you look up at verse 10 in chapter 2, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. He is in charge of them too. And then in verse, we saw last, last week in verse 15, Look, he spoiled them all on the cross. He made a show of them openly. He's already defeated them, which is awesome. That's the God we serve. He's, he's powerful. Uh, we were singing that last song, and I was thinking about that stuff, thinking about principalities and powers, and it was awesome. Um, oh, okay. 
That's what Christ did. And these guys are trying to dabble in that world. That will not go well. And if you've ever tried to dabble in that world, you know it does not go well. And so, of course, it's not going to go well with the Colossians either if they subject themselves unto these people and what they're teaching. If they subject themselves, if we subject ourselves to anything but Christ, it's not going to go well. And in verse 18, what are these people going to do? They're going to beguile you of your rewards. So there's rewards to be had. In uh, verse 24 of chapter 3 in Colossians, it says, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. We get it from him. Right? For, what? For we serve the Lord Christ. He's the one in charge. Be subject to Christ. Okay. Now, we've talked a lot about not letting yourself be influenced by anything outside of Christ. And that's awesome. Christ has set us free from the law and men and the judgment of them. And especially in some of the crazy contexts that we're talking about. But most of us don't necessarily deal with that on a daily basis. So from a practical standpoint, and as an application to us, sometimes Paul actually did kind of subject himself to rules and to men. Now you're all thinking, what? Look in 1 Corinthians 9. I gotta flip there, because I didn't write it down. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16 through 23. Paul says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Okay, and here it is, verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law. Being not without law to God. Okay, he's not sinning. Of course not. But under the law to Christ. There it is. Still subject to Christ. That I might gain them that are without law. Uh, Verse 22. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake. So, Paul, Paul has Christ. He's subject to Christ. He has Christ as the head. And sometimes, for the sake of Christ, that leads you to being subject to, to rules and men, but not in a sinful way. Not in contrast to what Peter did. Look, Peter was subjecting himself to those men above Christ. We shouldn't, so, and it, you know, if you're going to get them out of order, it's going to be wrong. But you've got to be subject to Christ. And that's going to that's gonna lead us to live a life uh, man, that is, that is touchable and that is visible to other people. So, basically, Christ has set us free. But giving up freedoms in this life for the sake of the gospel, that is worthy of rewards. And we got, all right, we won't go there because I didn't write any of it down. But I wanted to read basically all of Romans chapter 14. Uh, we're not going to do that. And I didn't write any of it down. But uh, because in Romans, I'll, I'll explain it a little bit. Romans 14 talks about giving up your freedoms, basically, for the sa- giving up your freedoms even though you are right according to the truth. 
for the sake of not causing another brother to stumble that might be weaker or another sister to stumble that might be weaker. You're giving up your own freedoms out of love for them and, and for the gospel's sake and for Christ's sake. That's worthy of rewards. So, okay, how do you, how do you know? How do you, that realm, there's no rules or laws in that realm or even really in our Christian life. So what's our, what's our guide? We're being subject to Christ. Well, look, look, he's given us a conscience. Corey actually already mentioned that about maybe you shouldn't come if you're sick or not or whatever. Let your conscience be your guide. And when you do that for the sake of others, it's worthy of reward. But something else that's pretty cool, back to that, the, the realm of the spiritual stuff that's weird. I thought this was cool. Ephesians 3, 8 through 11. says, Unto me, who am, Paul's talking, Unto me, who am, the le- who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Why? To the intent that now unto principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's awesome. Listen, when we operate correctly in the body of Christ, when we willingly subject, submit ourselves to Christ, the, the wisdom of God is manifest to principalities and powers. Which is awesome. Listen, Christ already spoiled them. And we are in Christ, right? So we almost kind of get in on the deal a little bit. Christ uses us to prove to them, eh, y'all blew it. He's, he made them, right? And they rebelled, and they blew it. And it's like, look, look at these peon humans that are subject to me, and you can't be. And I, I don't know. I just thought that was, that was really cool to bring that full circle. But in conclusion, really, especially in the realm of operating not under the law and not under judgment of men, operating according to your conscience and being subject to Christ. How how should we operate? How do we know? Honestly, the best way I can think of to to wrap up is looking in chapter 3. If we go on just a little bit, I think Paul gives us some of the answers. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, if ye, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Look, the law and the commandments of men and men and creatures. and what It just doesn't matter, in the words of Brett Bartlett. You need to be subject to Christ and you need to set your affection on things above. That's where you need to be looking. That's what you need to be concerned with. And everything else will fall into place. Go on and look at verse 17 in chapter 3. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. That's what we should do. Whatever you're about to do, man, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And finally, verses 23 and 24. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. That's what you should be worried about. Look, serving him and 
I didn't understand this passage, honestly, if I'm, if I'm honest at all, whenever Corey first told me about it. Um, but I just started going back and reading the whole book of Colossians and started to see some of these things and some of these themes that, like, Paul has kind of been warning them about this stuff all along. And just looking into chapter 3 where it kind of takes a spin and it's like a bunch of examples of how to do it right and all of that. I just thought that was really cool. So at the end of the day, we need to be subject to Christ and not be subject to the, the Levitical law and not be subject to uh, the judgment of men and not be subject to the things that Christ has set us free from. And we need to do everything that we do for his purpose and for his glory. And it'll all work out in the end. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, thank you so much for your word. Um, thank you so much that, that you are not a God that, um, that just hit play and, and stepped back and, and watched it happen, Lord, but, but you're a God that, that came and, I mean, you, you came and, and became a man for us, became us, and Lord, you did it right. You didn't deserve death, and you went to the cross for us. And all the, the spiritual powers thought they won, but they didn't. You spoiled them when you rose from the grave. And to make matters worse, all of us can get in on that, Lord, because we're in you. And you made a way for us to be restored back to you. And we're so thankful for that. And you've set us free from the law and from, from judgment and from rules and regulations, Lord. And you did it just to have a relationship with us. Help us, help us to, to apply that to our lives on a daily basis and not be so concerned about rules and things, but to be so concerned about you and about the gospel and about your mission and, and to do things for the right reason and just to serve you because we're servants of you. Um, Lord, I pray that, you know, we, whatever happens today, even with the, re- the election, um, Lord, we're submitted to you. We're not submitted to men and rules and regulations and all that stuff, Lord. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Lord, we're, sub- we're subject to you. And so, regardless of what happens, Lord, just let us take comfort in you, knowing that the battle is over, you have won, and we just need to go tell people that and share the truth uh, of what you've done with them. Um, Lord, thank you so much again for letting us be here and keeping us safe. It's in your name we pray. Amen.